0: Hey guys, it's Chris Waters, the host of CEO Secrets. Super excited to have you guys on today. I've got an amazing guest, I'm super pumped to have. Um, Her name is Janae from Colorado Springs, who uh, uh, her and her husband also have a real estate business in Colorado Springs, and she's an expert on the recruiting and selection process. Janae, thanks so much for being on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this today. This is one of my favorite subjects on the planet. So thanks for having me today.
0: You know, I've read I I hope we can share some books because I've one of like two of my favorite books right now around the recruiting and selection process is one called The Rare Find by Mm -hmm. a guy named George Anders. And the second book, which came out recently, is called Culture Code, um, which is I don't know if you have read Culture Code yet.
1: I've not read Culture Code. I know Rare Find. It's a great book. um, Kind of an old one, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah, it's been around. It's been around for a while.
0: So, what are your, what are your favorite books around recruiting and selection?
1: So, my very favorite my very favorite book around recruiting and selection is well, I have a couple. Um, Hiring for Attitude, which is really geared towards large corporations, but it's um, it's a it's a great book. It has really great nuggets, even for small business owners. And then I also love Work reel, uh, Work Rules, um, which is about. The recruiting process that app um, that Google went through and has gone through. And that's, that's by the former um, HR head at Google, which he started a new company. Now, Um, those are two of my favorites. The book I'm currently reading is called it's a textbook. It's called judgment in managerial decision making for Um, Behavioral economics, which is something that I love to study—psychology and behavioral economics—and why people do what they do, which becomes imperative in the recruiting process to understand people psychologically. So, that's the book I'm right now reading, and I always have to look at it because it's seventh edition, and it's actually the textbook they use in organizational organizational behavior in several companies and several, uh, sorry, um, graduate programs. So
0: I'm literally writing this stuff down. So I'm so sorry. I did a horrible job of like introducing you. All I can think about are all these questions. So like I spent all this time like putting all these questions together because like I just wanted to hammer you with so many questions that I, I did a horrible job like asking you to, introduce yourself. So before we go any further, um, I gave a, a terrible introduction of you. Why don't you tell um, our audience um, a little bit about your background, um, you know, how you end up, how you got in real estate about you have a, a consulting business where you help people with the recruiting and selection process. Um, walk us through, you know, give us the uh, 60 second version, a little bit about you
1: okay so uh, my name is janae daniels i started in hiring and recruiting for large corporations about 15 years ago and um my husband and i got married Um, i worked for manpower international there in austin texas and i left that um top school for a little bit um, because i kind of got burned out with recruiting um and then my husband and i met and married he's from colorado springs so we moved here Um, He, so his story is a little bit, was sad at the beginning. He got into real estate in 2003 and he had two kids and a little, um, and just started real estate. And um, a month after he got into real estate, his ex-wife said, I don't want to be a mother. I don't want to be a wife. Have a good life. Um, We met three years later and um, actually two years later, we got married in 2006. I came up here and uh, relocated to Colorado Springs. So in 2009, he was working so much that I, um, I said to him, I said, I feel like you need to hire somebody. And he said, I tried that twice and it was a nightmare and it was terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and he's like, well, what if we can't afford it? Like, I'm no, you know, he was at this point, he was selling like 50 homes by himself. And good. I said, yeah, he was doing, he was doing great. And I said, I can take care of that. So without telling him, I posted a job ad, I screened candidates. And then one day I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. I have two candidates for you. You're interviewing them tomorrow. I put it on your schedule. You get to pick one. And that's how it started. And he was like, what? Oh my gosh. Um, and so I said, don't worry. It's just part time. Well, within three months, we had to um, move them full time. A year later, we brought on our first couple of buyers agents. Um, and, and even though I had all this experience in the past with working, um, in recruiting before, what I found was like, there were, there were not the resources for small business owners that there were for large corporations. And so I, that's when I started studying and researching and trying to understand the recruiting process. And how do you weed out really terrible human beings that are mean and toxic? Because that's why most people are fired. It's not because they don't have the skills. It's because they're, 89% are fired because they're toxic, they gossip, they're entitled, um, they don't work very hard, they're lazy. Um, And so so I started going, okay, so how do we keep our team members good? And it was kind of like, our process has kind of been like watching the sandlot when they're trying to get the ball back. And so they start by, you know, simply, and then suddenly they're like trying to go over the fence and then they get out tinker toys. And that's, what happened with our recruiting process, and in the meantime, I'm I'm doing hundreds of hours of research to understand uh, psychologically what happens when you hire, and how does good retention look, and, and what's going on, and 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 I've done and by this time, I've done thousands of interviews, not just you know from my prior experience, but then also doing interviews with our with our team members. So long story short. Before I knew it, I wasn't just helping our team, I was getting calls from doctors and dentists and veterinarians and so I work, uh, my company is called DIY Hiring and we essentially consult with very small business owners, the zero to 20 employees on how to hire for retention, how to hire for keeps. And so, um, and because Jason and I are married, I continue to hire for our team. And, and over the years I've developed um, what I call the, the Daniels hiring process. So it's our process to hire so that we hire for keeps. And in some ways it's very unconventional um, with particularly in the real estate industry on, on hiring. Because I found that in real estate, again, I, I hire for multiple industries and I consult with multiple industries, but in real estate I hear the same bad information being repackaged repurposed and resold a lot of times by real estate coaches and i'm like oh that's terrible information and you're gonna burn people out and you're gonna burn and churn people and you don't you don't want to do that you want to be able to hire so that people stay long term and so over the years we've learned okay this is how you hire for retention and this is what you do and yeah, so that's what I do. That's
0: who I am. Yeah, great. Well, let me let me ask you some questions. So, in in the real, uh, I'll just share with you a little bit of um, what I experienced building a real estate team in Austin. Is like finding W two staff, mm-hmm. uh, operational staff was a lot less difficult than yes. hiring salespeople, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things you could do. The interview process, you know, reference checks. Um, you know, some practical applications, you actually have them do as part of the interview process, which helped us improve things. Um, But, you know, the, the the interview process itself prior to actually giving them an offer letter, I always say as a bunch of BS for salespeople, because you don't actually know who's going to make it until you see them in action. And so one one of the things um, I took away from the book, The Rare Find by George Anders, um, when he studied all these, you know, elite organizations, uh, actually, the the story that was very inspirational to me was when he talked about Teachers for America, and how she set up a mock classroom as part of the interview process, and so. Um, And, and um, yeah, and then beyond um, beyond uh, teach for America, a lot of just, you know, really high level organizations, um, you know, even once you get accepted into the organization, uh, there's, you know, this continuous like vetting process, like you're not actually an associate of the company until a certain amount of time has passed and you've hit certain milestones. And a lot of times those milestones aren't even production related. Um, And so, it, you know my 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 uh, our process in theory and and what we execute implement on is um uh kind of what we call the extended interview process which is 90 days after we hire them and you know we're looking for you know key specific things in those 90 days um uh, what's your what's your philosophy i, I what's your God, there's so many questions i want to ask you <laughs> i don't even know where to start <laughs> so what what's your um what's your philosophy on the um You know, just from the front of the funnel, like getting people into the interview process, let's just start from the beginning, like at the front of the funnel, like get as many people in the funnel, right? And then like, what's the logistical process there to get them to a point where you're giving them an offer? And then what's the logistical process after you give them an offer? Like, you know, after you've said, hey, come on board, what are you doing after that? To walk The, walk me through the logistics.
1: So let me walk you through the whole process. This is what we do. And I do this for for every company, and this is what I tell companies to do. Um, so first of all, I have to t- – and I tell people, like it's in our job ad. Right off the bat, our process is super long um, because – that length enables you to really see the candidate and weed out people who are going to ghost you and weed out people who are really not interested. So that's the, the first thing is I tell and I tell everyone, like, your process has to be long. So this is what, our process. Um, I post a job ad. And actually, at this point, um, we... Can
0: I- I'm going to be, I'm going to interject a lot because I'm going to have a lot of questions along the way. So don't take it the wrong way. Um, so you post a job ad. Is there any special messaging you get to attract talent from like a marketing perspective to attract people? Like what do you put in the headline? What do you put in the body?
1: Okay. So first of all, my job ads are freaking hilarious. Um, I was a comedian prior back in my past life, back in college. Cool. Um, did improv and stand up. I um, mean, so by, by nature, like, I want to sometimes be a little saucy in my, and it started coming out. It, it started as an accident a few years ago when I um, was typing in a job ad and I was really frustrated. And so I got really saucy in the job ad. I'm like, look, we don't have benefits except for we do offer unlimited Dr. Pepper and cookies. What else do you want? And so Um, our job ads are really long, but they are also very specific and they're funny. And, and so we tend to get quirky people who start reading it and start to chuckle. And they're very, I mean, they're very honest. Like right at the beginning, we're like, most people fail in real estate. It's not like HGTV. If you want to be on HGTV, go talk to Joanne Gaines, you know, like, um, and most, you know most people in real estate are making less than my teenage son is making in fast food. And so with the job ad, you have to put yourself into the ad. like your voice has to come through. and I, I read ads for fun and to see what my competition is doing. and they all sound very sterile. And so if your ad can say, stand out by just sounding like a human as opposed to like, we want to hire rock stars for our real estate team, we're super great, you know um but putting real and funny and honest into the ad and letting them know look our process is long this is what you get this is great um so that's the first thing is our job ads are long and you,
0: they're like, funny where where do you like to post job ads what are your favorite places that um,
1: my very favorite has been indeed that's where i've seen the best um number of candidates that are qualified. I've used LinkedIn. I've used ZipRecruiter. I've used WiseHire in the past. I've used um, Glassdoor and Monster. So I've used a whole lot of places. I go, a lot of times I'll go to um, college job boards um, and so I'll be recruiting in Utah next month. it, because you get a lot of those people who have served LDS missions and they are not afraid to door knock. So I'm like, awesome. That's a perfect place to recruit people. They do make ah. So I'll be recruiting in Utah next month. Um, and so I've, you know, um, within the next couple weeks, I'll be going to the University of Utah um, alumni site, the career services at BYU career services at Utah State um, and so I go to local um, colleges and universities as well. But as far as like to get to the general populace, I use Indeed, I get the best return on my investment with Indeed. What,
0: What would you do if, let's say you were working with a team that was located in a market where there's very few agents, um, so it's actually a very lucrative market for agents cause there's not an abundance of them. Um, what, what would you do when, you know, you just got a small pond to fish from to find and locate agents to join your team? Like, how, like what would you tell, um, what would you tell that person to do if they're just like massively struggling to find talent, um, because of that small pool?
1: Okay, so a couple things. First of all, they need to look at their compensation and, and they need to look at their what their value proposition is what are what are they giving um, That people would want to draw people. First of all, second thing is they might start wanting to look in other industries and start um poaching people um from other industries but then also they may have to recruit outside of their town especially if if you're in a small like a very small community recruit outside of that community and you're going to have to sell that community you know why is it that you want to live that somebody would want to live in this little community and what would be the benefits and what will you offer this person um not just monetarily but um Emotionally and um, within your within your company, because most so a study just came out two months ago by Deloitte um, on millennials in the workplace and the number one thing that millennials are looking for, which they're going to make up half the workforce next year. Um, and so one of the things, the number one thing that they're looking for is to be with a com- company that they can trust, that, that the, the company is gonna do the right thing, which most people don't realize. They think that millennials want ping pong tables, which is not what they want. Um, and so if you can have, a set up a culture in your company where they can trust you, um, and then you really sell that and let them see that, and as well as make it monetarily um, uh, enticing for them, then you're going to be able to draw people.
0: So what? So in the real estate space, you know, salaries for salespeople is not very common. Um, in the real estate brokerage space, would you encourage somebody to offer a salary to attract somebody in?
1: You could. I'd definitely talk to an attorney about that while you do it because there's all sorts of laws around, you know, W2s versus 1099s um, with each state. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we've done for our team, because now I don't do a lot of recruiting. Like I don't have to go out and solicit business is that we offer um, our, a paid, we, we call it a paid working interview. So we go through our long hiring process, um, which we might circle back around to what that looks like. But then, um, when they're invited to come on the team, we say, okay, the next 60 days, we're going to train you and we're going to pay you $2,500 a salary a month to bridge that gap of when you start to sell and, um, so that so that you can have some amount to live on, and we don't allow those people to sell. They're W-2s during that time. They come in 8:30 to 5:30, and it's a boot camp, and we put them through the ringers. But to even get onto that boot camp is a long process. Because of that, I don't have a shortage of um, talent approaching me. Yeah. Um, right now, I don't have any job ads for our team. I'm about to post some next week, but I've already had people start calling and saying, "Hey, I've heard about your team." Um, I, I'd like to get on for your next boot camp, which is coming up in November and because we have a boot camp going on right now. Um, so the, the next one is in November. And so people are like, can I, what, what do I do? How do I start? So whereas most teams have to fight to find people, now we have people coming to us. So that's that 60 days. We pay for their training and we pay for the boot camp and we get to see them in the raw and which I can talk to you more about what we do in boot camp once we get to that point. But it's um, it's enabled us to have a lot of talent come to us
0: cool. Um, now that's that a great. yeah, it's it. yeah. a great idea. Um, okay, so okay, so you post a job ad, make it look I mean, really in shape, try to really connect with people. Mm-hmm. Indeed.com, college job boards, um, in the real estate space, maybe potentially do the um Uh, the paid working interview. Uh, So now you've got some, some leads coming in. What's next in the um, process?
1: Okay. So this is all, I'm going to lay out the whole process. Once I get the resume, I look over the resume. I look for four things. That's it. I look to see if they spell stuff correctly. I look to see how long they've been at jobs. Um, I look to see um, if they have any jobs that could even remotely translate. Um, and then I look at also their education, but I'm not as concerned about that. Um, what I do then is actually with, with uh, admin candidates, if they don't spell stuff correctly, I, I get rid of them. And if I see um, with both sales candidates and admin candidates, if I see that they've never been in a job more than about three years at a time, I get rid of them because they will they're, they're eternal job hoppers. You don't need those in your company. So I send everybody else, an email that says, um, thanks for doing this, now I need you to complete an online interview. I use a company called Spark Hire, I love them, I'm not affiliated with them, but I use them, and they have to do a video interview, and inevitably there's always somebody who doesn't want to, and I'm like, well, if they can't even, you know, don't want to, or don't want to follow the process, I cut them there. Um, or if they're not technologically savvy enough, technologically, yeah, logically savvy enough to Complete an online interview. I'm like, and you shouldn't be in real estate where we do deal a lot with tech. Yeah. So I go through the Spark Hire interview. Um, once I get those in, um, if I see that a person doesn't complete the Spark Hire, I email them again and say, hey. And actually, I started putting it just in the job ad: complete the Spark Hire interview, upload your resume. Once I weeded out people through the Spark Hire interview, I do a telephone interview with the ones I'm interested in. I weed out 90% of the people in the Spark Hire interview. So, which is great because I can watch those videos in seven minutes, eight minutes, and know, yes, I want this to go on with this person or not. Um, So talk
0: talk to me more about what you're looking for in that video interview.
1: I am looking for a few things. Number one, one of the questions that I ask is, what do you need to make to live comfortably? In many states, you cannot ask anymore by law, not all states, but many states, um, you can't ask. How much do you make in your previous positions but i can say how much do you need to make to live comfortably um if they're within the range that we are projected that they could do then i'm like okay good if they're like way off base and they're like i want to make two million dollars and some people will say ridiculous things like that then i'm like eh, not so much um, i ask them a time that they failed in a work-related project um, i ask them the greatest misconception their co-workers have about them. And then I asked them some kind of generic questions. Why did you get into real estate? Why do you want to apply for our team? But the ones that I'm most interested in are tell me about a time you failed in a work related project. So here's the deal. Statistically speaking, people who are entitled and toxic use a certain kind of language. Specifically they'll speak in third person, uh, future or present tense because they want to separate themselves from the question uh, for example they'll say things like well you should never fail in a project you should always do your best i failed a lot of times you know and i always put my best foot forward um, really high performing people will say okay i failed in a work-related project um this is what happened i was supposed to do this i messed up i screwed up i learned a lesson i felt so bad i went to my boss i did this and I did this and so they'll give a very specific in first person past tense specific example and they'll take ownership um, again most people don't do that i weed them out really quick because we know psychologically low performers are going to separate themselves by behavioral questions um, the second question i ask is what's the greatest misconception your co- co-workers have about you here's the secret it's never a misconception whatever they say is always the truth if they say um i and i had this happen where a lady said um well the greatest misconception my co-workers have about me is that i'm a witch but once they get to know me they know i'm really awesome Blah, 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 blah. um well what i've discovered is that it's always the truth in that case we hired that lady on and the immediately the team and this is five or six years ago said um she's a witch like she's mean and even when they got to know her they're like she's mean." um so whatever that misconception is and that's why the question is great because it cloaks it in a misconception is always the truth and you have to decide is that something that i'm willing to live with if they were to come on my team. So once I've weeded those people out, um, we move on to the telephone interview. In the telephone interview, I want specifics about their past. I wanna know why they left jobs. I wanna know how they felt about their um, coworkers and about their bosses. So if, if those people, um, that I really like, I'll move forward, and the rest I'll say thank you very much for your time, and and let them know I'm not moving them forward. So Next. let me
0: just let me recap mm-hmm. really quickly. I'm taking like feverish notes right now. <laughs> I don't know if you like <laughs> So video interview when you do the Spark um, video interview, um, the three key questions it sounds like is greatest mis- misconception people have about you. Tell me more about your greatest failure in the workforce. Um, and you're paying attention to how they, you know, um, place themselves, whether it's um, taking ownership or future tense, present tense, third person. Um, you said you also want to ask them about what they want to make, uh, income wise, to live comfortably. And yes. then, um, and then you said in the telephone interview, you ask about um, how do they feel about their uh, their bosses, previous bosses.
1: Yeah. How do they feel about their previous bosses? Tell me about your your work environment. So what happens is. Um, whatever they say about past bosses is what they're gonna say about you. And if if they start to be diplomatic and they're trying really hard, even if you can tell that they didn't like that boss, um, they're gonna be diplomatic with you too. Um, really toxic people, you open that can of worms with their boss and they will vomit all over you. Oh my gosh, they were terrible, they were awful. And the thing is, it's it's rarely the boss it's
0: usually the person. So what about when you ask them the question, why did you leave their job? What are you looking for?
1: Um, I want, I'm looking for honesty. And so I'll ask them point blank, Were you, did you quit or were you fired? And why did you quit? Why were you fired? Um, And so, because I want to hear are, are they, do I hear honesty or are they trying to avoid the question? Um, If they're trying to avoid the question, then there's probably a good reason that they were fired. Usually people will be pretty honest and say, yeah, I got fired. One girl said, I got fired because I totally slept in almost every day. Wow. And I'm like, okay, thank you for letting me know that.
0: So what would you do if someone said that? You're like, oh, thanks. Thanks. Um.
1: I finish up, you know, I just finished the interview. I'm out, I always try to leave people really um, positive. Um, because I don't know if I'm ever going to meet that person again and I want to leave people better than I found them so I usually like thank you for the interview and talking with me and I and I finish up the rest of the questions and then close up I usually shorten them but um, I finish up and I'm like okay well thank you I'll let you know in the next day so um, yeah so that's what I do
0: Cool, Um, so just uh, for those of you guys watching on Facebook, um, some people might be watching this on replay, but if you're watching this on Facebook, feel free to chat, Um, put any comments in the chat box if you're watching this on Facebook and uh, maybe we can ask Janae any questions live for those of you guys that are in our private Facebook group. and um, uh, Janae, uh, what's crazy about this is like I don't know. If, I don't know if people understand like how valuable this content is. Like I don't even know if people. Most people can truly quantify this, but I I um I went through every real estate coaching program imaginable between 2010 and 2014 and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, I, I hired somebody outside of the industry that was a leadership coach for some Fortune 500 CEOs. And the the guy said to me, he said, Chris, 80% of your success is predicated on your ability to recruit and select people. And so if there's anybody watching this that, that, um, you know, if you feel like you don't have enough hours in the day, you're frustrated with your growth, you're frustrated with the people, it's probably because you haven't mastered the recruiting and selection process or you haven't found someone to help you, like like you, Janae. They need to hire someone like you. Um so anyways, um so I just wanted to throw that out there because like because we're we are on Facebook Live. And so if anybody has any um questions, um feel free to chime in. Uh we just had someone named Stephen Marshall chime in saying this is crazy good info. Um so man I am I'm am so excited to have you on today. Like well, we're going to hang out sometime cuz like I'm gonna play out in Denver. I'm I'm going to buy that de- like I'm ki- I'm not kidding I'm going to buy that textbook cuz I'm like so fascinated with this whole process. Like I went down that rabbit hole of studying like Harvard, Yale, Apple, Google, um teach from you know renal book anyways, let right, let's dive back in. So now we're at the point of like doing the phone inter- interview. You mentioned the questions. What's the next step in the process?
1: So next step is I do uh, face-to-face interviews. So I ask behavioral interview questions. Tell me uh, more about
0: that. Behavioral interview questions face to face.
1: Okay, so so behavioral interview questions. Uh, so, okay, first of all, behavioral interview questions are statistically the best questions that you can ask to get the um, best future indication of future performance. So, what a behavioral question is? It's a very specific question that asks about a specific past experience. For example, um, tell me about a time that you didn't get along with a coworker. Tell me about a time that you, you received tough feedback from your boss. Tell me about a time that you got bad feedback from a client. Tell me about a time that you didn't get along with your coworker. Tell me about a time that you receive feedback that you disagreed with and you still had to follow protocol. So very specific questions. A lot of behavioral pe- people who look at behavioral questions will add, what did you do at the end? Or tell me more about that. Um, get rid of those questions because um, the, the added, you know, what did you do at the end of the question, psychologically puts in people's mind that they should have a positive answer and you don't you want to get what's raw and real not um not just a positive answer and so i asked a series and
0: let's let's role play this out okay so i'm you're interviewing me mm-hmm. and, and let's just say you're asked. let's just role play this out so like let's pretend like um you're asking me um about a uh, a time i worked um somewhere and i had a boss that i didn't like
1: Okay, Chris, tell me about a time that you um, received tough feedback from
0: your supervisor. So when I was younger, I had um, a, a sales team leader that um, was, you know, telling me what I was what I was doing wrong um, in the sales process to get somebody committed. He said my tone of voice was very. Uh, monotone and he said that um, I spent uh, I, I spent very little time building rapport and connecting mm-hmm. um, with the with the prospect
1: and how do you feel about that Chris
0: um, you know in the moment I to be honest I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty pissed because I thought I did pretty good I did a good job but um, my you know my conversions sucked I was going and meeting clients and I kept falling on my face and so, you know, it took me a couple of days, but after I swallowed my pride and I actually started implementing what he said, things actually got better.
1: Awesome. Thank you. All right, let's move on to the next question. Okay. Cool. So, good job. You did great. Yes. Again, what I was listening for was, um, what, first of all, did you take ownership or did you blame your boss? Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I was listening for was what verb tense were you using? Were you speaking in present tense, uh, sorry, sorry, first person, or are you speaking in third person? I wanted to hear first person, which you did, awesome. And then the, the second thing I was listening for was, um, were you speaking in past tense or future or present tense? And I, I wanted to hear past tense. And so you took ownership, you gave me a very specific example, you tell if you fixed it, and then you moved on. Good job cool
0: so if somebody if somebody like if so let's say the opposite happens somebody had a boss and they said that they instead of saying they instead of them taking ownership they're like my boss was a terrible trainer you know didn't make sense and they they weren't um, you know taking responsibility that's when it's a red flag
1: yeah then you go that's a big red flag and, so- and- Continue to listen to that and ask more questions about the boss.
0: So when do you give someone like a pass? Right. Cause like there, you know, like, so we've, you've, we've explained so far, you know, this process. Right. And there's a lot of opportunities where someone can kick theirself off the, get, get kicked off the
1: bus. That's the hope.
0: When do you like, when do you give someone a pass? Right. When you like, when do you give them some grace and be like, okay, maybe that boss they had was a crappy trainer or whatever.
1: I give them a bo- I give them a pass when I hear um, diplomacy that they're not trying to speak ill of the boss, but rather like the actions that happened. Um, that's really an important thing because there's personal attacks, and then there's. Um, for example, I, I did an interview, and the lady was like. Um, you know, I said, Why'd you leave the company? And she said, Uh, well, things were uncomfortable for me and I said, What happened? And she said, Um, I didn't see eye to eye with my boss and and my boss is a is a good person. I don't feel like it was it you know I don't feel like they were trying to do harm or do bad, but we disagreed on some fundamental things and I felt like I couldn't um I couldn't, I couldn't continue there. So she didn't say that the boss was terrible. She didn't say, um, ugly things about the boss. So I ended up bringing her on to that company and she's been there years and they love her. Um, because she is, and she still is very diplomatic and, and in, in that she was diplomatic, but you, the, the more interviews that you do. And like I said, I've I've done like, over 3,000, 3,500 interviews, like I stopped counting in about 1,000 interviews many years ago. Um, You'll hear, you start to hear a very distinct difference in blaming people versus um, talking about behavioral dislikes. And, and, and that's where the separation comes. Because if I hear blame, 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 this is, a, this person was terrible and awful and mean, and they were, they hated me. And, and if I hear victim, and that's the other thing is if I hear victim from a person, I absolutely don't want them on my team. And so I, I was consulting with an agent in California and he said, I've got this guy and he's super great. And he left his company because they were so awful to him. And, and I can understand, I'd feel bad. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did, did he sound like a victim? And he said, yes. And I said, then you absolutely don't hire him because he'll be the victim to you, period. End of okay.
0: story. So, so um, there's, God, there's so much I want to ask. Okay, so face-to-face interview, behavioral questions, what's next?
1: Okay, then um, I do a bunch of skills testing. I send them um, a battery of skills tests depending on the kind of position I'm hiring for, or the company's hired for, that depends on um, what test. So like- Sure. So salespeople, you administer sales tests, you administer...
0: And when you say sales test, do you mean like for a salesperson, do you like a mock sales presentation, for example?
1: No, I full on have, I have it, I like I work with a, a company and I email them a sales test that has been put together by psychologists and they answer all the questions um, and the tests score their validity and how much they're being honest on the test. And then it also scores their different aspects of, um, of how good they're gonna be at sales. And it gives a projection based on their answers. Um, and I also send a personality profile.
0: Okay, so that's one of the questions I wanna ask you about personal profiling, but also regarding the sales test, we can just lump those in. So what's, uh, what I, what's kind of um, fascinating is like, I've hired people in sales roles that do not have the typical like high DI or ID and yeah. they they crush it as like NSC or C personality. And so like the thing I've always like told people is it's very hard to test the element of human desire Right. Like somebody may have that internal desire to want to like go out and do something and like, there ain't no way you're going to stand in their, stand in their path. They're going to figure it out. Um, And they'll, they'll figure out how to be a master, even if, you know, it doesn't come natural to them. So like how much value do you put into disc profiling and like, you know, this company, for example, you said you hired to send out tests. Um, How much validity, like how much do you, how much, um, how much do you pay attention to that stuff? Like how important is it really?
1: Okay, so it's, for me, it's a data point because like a, a disc test lets me know strengths in their personalities as well as weaknesses, but there are salespeople who are C's and who are S's and they're good. Um, so for me, it becomes a data point because my whole objective in the hiring process is to try to get a... The whole total picture of the person and so it's a data point for me that's it I don't hire and fire by disk the disk I don't hire and file fire by the sales test but I will look and see okay so there's some red flags that came up in the sales test why um, let's ask some more questions and find out what's going on um, again it's, it's a data point and so I've never not moved somebody on because of a personality test or a sales test because it's a data point for me to look at the whole, the whole, the, the whole person. Well,
0: um, your husband, you and your husband's real estate team in Colorado Springs. Um, do you guys differentiate between buyers agents and listing agents?
1: Um, we used to, that's become, um, we're we're starting to do something different this year because several of our agents have said I want to take listings too. And our past real estate coaches have said, Oh, you need buyers agents, and listing agents, and I was like, Why? Why is that? Like, it's kind of It's arbitrary to me. So right now, um, hey, let me. I
0: have to. I have to interject because you're giving me massive value, so I want to reciprocate. Okay. So my, my like mission statement in the real estate industry is to help create clarity for people um, when, when they're brand new as agents and help them understand that and it's my opinion that there is a, a clear uh, career trajectory. So mm-hmm. like the thing corp like the thing corporate America does really, really well is they develop a really clear. Yeah, um, corporate ladder that people talk crap about. Right. But like that ladder is what, what that ladder is what helps develop people to, right. you know, build these massive organizations. And so there, you know, in my mind, there is a ladder from a career trajectory perspective. Um, and so the, the, our philosophy is like, you know, buyer, uh, when you're brand new as an agent, there's three basic skills you have to master. One is inside sales, the inside sales component. Two is the outside sales component. Component face to face, and then third is being a market expert, so knowing contracts, etc. And and then you got the buy side and the listing side, and they're different contracts, and there's right. different processes. And so you actually start um, if you start an agent off on the buy side. One, the contracts are typically in favor of the buyer, so it makes it easier to get them out. Yeah. And um, uh, you know the the buyer isn't actually uh, paying anything out of their own out of their own pocket. Um, And buyers are much more forgiving um, through that process. There's not as many expenses we have to outlay um, when you're working with a buyer besides driving around. So it's, it's like, these are, um, you know, it's great to work with buyers and physically drive around and like get to understand the market and learn how to like work, work a pipeline, et cetera. So anyways, my little advice is like, I know, um, so, but I don't know if you know, I'm not, I'm not in the coaching industry. We have a a CEO masterclass, but I'm not, I'm not in the coaching industry, but my um, you know, I, I I don't know why other coaches recommend it this way, but my opinion is you start people off as like, hey, buyer's agent. Then if you want to become a listing agent and you can also do both sides if you want. And then the next step is a leadership development program to get into like a leadership opportunity. I mean, that's kind of the the career trajectory path in my mind for anybody in um, real estate brokerage, so.
1: So, and that's actually how we currently do it is, and that's why, Uh, in order to come on the team like through after they've completed boot camp they have to be a buyer's agent for at least a year before they're introduced to listings cool okay and so but um, we have buyers agents that are like I don't want to give up working with buyers and I still want to do some listings and that's where we're like why not let's let them do it and they, they've done a good job Um we have a couple agents that are like, I solely want to do listings once I graduate from being a buyer's agent. And and so um, Jason's training those people to be able to do that. And so, um, and then of course we do, we also have that, the leaders, we don't have a leadership course, if you will, but um, we are training our people up as we go mm-hmm. to- four leadership roles. And several of them uh, are assigned as mentors for the agents that are in boot camp. And so we, cool. we teach leadership throughout the process. Awesome. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So we're, we're on the same wavelength as far as
1: that goes. The,
0: so on, so, um, so back, so back to the logistics of the, um, selection process. So yeah. talk about face to face, the behavioral stuff, the disc profile, um, just data <laughs> points sample, um, the sample, uh, excuse me, the sales tests. Um, tell me what's after, tell me the next
1: piece. So next piece is they have to interview with our office manager. Now for new agents that are like building a team, you'd have them interview with um, somebody else in your office if you have other people in your office or you have um, vendors, people you trust, even a spouse, interview the person because you want to get different eyes on that person. You want to get a different, different perspective on that person. Our office manager and I have very different personalities. Because of that, she sees things differently than I do. And so sometimes I'll be super excited about a candidate, and they'll come in, and she's like, "I did not like them." Yeah. So, so she asks her questions, gets to know them, talks them about the position. After her interview, we have our lead buyer's agent um, interview them again. If it's a new team, you get somebody else else's perspective.
0: You guys um, do that the same meeting? You do like the. Um...
1: Again, we want to separate the process because a couple things happen. The longer the process is, number one, the more emotionally invested a candidate becomes in the company. Um, Number two, it um, cuts down on ghosting, which has become very prevalent in the hiring, like in with small businesses and even some large corporations where people just don't show up. And, and so you want, um, the more interviews you can do. And again, there's, a comes to a point where you're like this, you know, you don't need to do any more interviews, but, um, but that, that length of time allows them to decide really, is this the company that they want to work for? And it gives them the time to think about that. It's as well as it gives us an opportunity to go, do I want this person on our very special team? Um, So that's the next step is the, um,
0: so, so in a spouse, someone other, someone with a different sense of perspective than you normally would interview them. Right, and then, and then whoever's going to be their key leader would interview them. Right, and then what's after that?
1: Okay, so this is my actually my favorite part. We do um, two days of shadowing, um, specifically, and when we're working with buyers agents. It's a little bit different than when we hire for admin. For admin, we'll actually have them do some tasks and we pay them because if you have somebody do actual legitimate tasks, you have to pay them, at least minimum wage. Um, But with our agents, we say, hey, we're gonna do two days of shadowing. It's from 8.30 to 5.30. You're gonna be working with all of the agents on our team. You're gonna meet everybody on the team. You're gonna meet the admin, you're gonna meet everybody. So one thing that makes our team very unique because people have tried recruiting from our team um. since we've made our hiring process airtight and our team members are intensely loyal, um, is that we give our team a voice. So during these two days of shadowing, the entire team individually takes them out and interviews these people and wherever the agents go, if it's an agent position, wherever the agents go, that person goes if they wanna be an agent. And they get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly in real estate. Like it's real time, they drive with the person, but at the same time, they get to ask our team members, what do you think of this team? What do you think of Jason? You know, are they, we heard great things, is this true or is it all garbage? So it gives our team members a chance to to answer questions, but also evaluate the candidate, because if any one of our team members says, I don't like the person, they're done. Um, There was a time when we had some toxic people on our team when we could not have done that. And when we realized, oh wait, we can't trust that that person's gonna have the team in the best interest to bring on people. So we ended up ultimately cutting um, those people after we're like, shoot, those are toxic people. Um, and so we've taken the last three years to go, okay, now let's build a team. So our team has become very emotionally invested on the people that are brought on. And the, we'll, they'll get together, like, after two days of shadowing with a person, and they will, like, we will hash it out. I like this. I like this. I didn't like this. Um, and so that we do two days of shadowing. So, which,
0: okay, I got, a, I got a question on the uh, Facebook Live right now. Yeah. Somebody asked, "What are the interview questions like for the additional interviewers?" So, um, you mentioned like the key person does the the first interview face to face, the Mm -hmm. behavioral questions. Um, Then you mentioned like a spouse and the key leader. So, like let's say it's a spouse and then the key leader. What are those two people asking? You know, like what's
1: their? They're asking to get to know the personality a little bit better. They again, they're asking behavioral questions. Okay. About a time you did this, tell me about it. And there's. There's hundreds of behavioral questions, which um, I'll be putting up um, a, a guide to behavioral questions on my website coming up in the next few weeks, so y'all can watch for that. How,
0: um, how do you train these key hires on the like understanding what to look for in these behavioral questions? Um, interview questions like how do you like for example if you like to have someone on your team facilitating this like they need to understand like how to ask the behavioral questions like the list yes Then they also need to know how to digest the information how do you train them on digesting the information to make a good decision on you know like whether they should recommend or not recommend that person
1: well you walk them through it right right i sit down with my team granted we've been doing it for a long time so they know it naturally but at the beginning I'm like okay first of all these are the questions you're not allowed to ask legally Mm -hmm. Uh, and then this is what we're asking and this is what I want you to really listen for Um, but after each interview they debrief with me and they said this is what they said and this is what I think Um, here's some things that I felt like they weren't saying um, and so you just like, literally, like I just told you, okay, you're going to listen to first person past tense. And I want you to listen carefully to the language that you're using. Listen to, if you hear victim, listen, if you hear, you know, to hear it, if you hear these different things, but they also have their own, you know, things that they like to interject. Um, when our by, lead buyer's agent interviews, she's like, I like to ask them, you know, are you ready to put in 70, 80 hours a week, you know, and let it get ugly. Mm-hmm. Now, when we get to the shadowing there is no set um, set of questions that the the agents or the admin ask. They just get to know the person.
0: They're just shooting the breeze. So after the sh- so tell me what happens after the two days of shadowing. What's the next step?
1: So next step is I do nine reference checks. Um, I do reference check three reference checks with um, past supervisors, three with coworkers, and three with subordinates if they have any. If they don't, then I want more. Co-workers and supervisors. Um, so, if everything checks out with those, go ahead.
0: So three co-workers, three past supervisors, and three um, subordinates or um, more supervisors. You said mm-hmm.
1: they don't have subordinates. They've never, you know, uh, had to supervise anybody. Then more supervisors and co-workers.
0: Okay, cool. So they pass this point. What's after that? Mm-hmm.
1: Then they interview with um, Jason and he sits down and i have to say like in the very beginning of the interview process in the telephone interview i go over commission splits right at the beginning and throughout the process i remind them these are our commission splits this is what we do this is why we do it so i i set up the expectations right off the bat i tell them like in the telephone interview your picture will be on nothing but your business card Jason's name is on everything. Jason's the brand, you know, so they know that from day one, what to expect. So there's no surprises. um, when they get to the end, um, I go over again, telephone interview. These are the commission splits. This is what's expected. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, this is how long our interview process is and it's long. It'll take two months. So by the time they get to Jason, um, they, they really are just getting to know him as the CEO and the team leader and, and everything. So and then me, he goes into specific numbers of, this is what, again, this, again these are the commission splits. These are where our lead sources are. This is how much the splits are from these lead sources versus this. So um, um, get-
0: Let me interject. So, okay, so this process up until this point of meeting Jason, for example, have they been getting paid or not been getting paid the 2,500 per month?
1: Oh no. They haven't been getting
0: paid yet. Not yet. Okay. Got it. So how long is this process that we just described? It's, um, two months, two months.
1: I can do it. I can do it in a month. Um, it averages about six weeks, but working with everyone's schedule and just taking the time, it, it lasts about two months. And I tell people that up front, it'll take about two months. And some people are like, I can't go two months. I'm like, that's okay. There's lots of other teams. We wish the best. Um,
0: Okay. Um so what Yes. So God, I have so many more questions. Um what do you like what if you're trying to scale up fast and you need to hire like 150 people in a matter of 12 months? Like okay. how would you facilitate um, a process like that?
1: You're going to need to get help to hire that many people. But there's an old adage that people say all the time but they don't um really listen to it and that is Um, You hire slowly and you fire quickly you hire slow fire fast. The Mm -hmm. problem is most people don't take the necessary time to hire. And so if you're going to need to hire that many people that you know in 12 months, you're going to have to get recruit help to hire that many people. So, but you're still going to want to take them through two months, Chris. If you want people, if you're hiring for retention and not just to fill a position, then you're gonna need to take the time. Now I have had one of my clients was able, like squished it all together in two weeks, but it was really stressful for them to like crunch it all in two weeks. Got it. And by the way, the top companies with the greatest retention take anywhere from two months to nine months to hire somebody. Wow and so one the the company that has like the highest retention rate um does 25 interviews with people and it takes 9 years who is who is, who is
0: that who has the highest retention rate
1: it is a it is a hotel chain and i can't remember off the top of my head is
0: that that one based out of san francisco they wrote that amazing book um, god i forgot the name of the book um and it's like some weird name for the hotel yeah wow. Okay. So, I, I, I forgot the name of the book in the hotel, but anyways, um, cool. And what, what, um, so what's, okay. next? what's that? Yeah. We're what's, what's a, what's after Jason meets him? What happens after that?
1: So my second favorite part of the interview process is, um, Jason and I take their, them and their significant other out to dinner. We do this for a couple reasons. Number one, um, we want to see if significant other is crazy because if they are, you're hiring crazy and number two we want to see how um we want the spouse's buy-in we want their opinions we want them to be able to ask questions um our, i know everybody's spouse on our team or their girlfriends or boyfriends or significant others um i know people's kids
0: what if they're single um,
1: if they're single then we just take them by themselves um something beautiful happens when you break bread with people and you see them in a different light and they're able to relax a little bit and laugh and there's something about eating with a person that just kind of bonds you to a person just a little bit and so we of course pay for the dinner um and if everything checks out with their spouse and they're, they're a halfway decent human being, then we offer them the paid working interview, which is 60 days. It's intense. It's hard. We tell them it's intense and hard. We say 50% won't make it through. And by this time, if I've gone through 200 applicants, I'm lucky if I bring on two of those people. Again, we've become very, very nitpicky about who we bring on
0: so we don't have enough time to dial into the um paid working interview part and i mean i don't i think if people are watching this and they need help recruiting they should seriously consider hiring you number one and two i guess they'll have to figure out how oh, looks like we have a, a guest on here um hang on one second um so uh if if they need more help they should reach out to you but um
1: yes which the, i do have something free they can download they... so the
0: so the paid working interview Um, how many, like if you hire five people to go through the paid working interview, how many of those, how many people will make it through the paid working interview if you, if you get five? Half. Half. Okay. So half of the paid interview. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it.
1: So our goal is to find the diamonds and there's, I heard a real estate coach say buyer's agents are a diamond dozen. And that's true. The problem is really good buyer's agents are like diamonds. And you want to find the diamonds because they'll stay, they'll, they'll give you their hearts, and they'll work their tails off, and they'll do awesome. And that's what we're looking for. I don't need a million haphazard, crazy people who are gonna create talk, you know, a toxic environment in our little company.
0: Let me ask you a quick question. So do you feel like through this process, um, before they get into the working interview, you can find someone that's a good culture fit just based off this process alone?
1: Absolutely. That's my whole intention is to look, are they a good culture fit? And do they have the potential to have the skills to do it? And Which
0: So then in, in the actual working interview process, why do half the people fall off? What are the reasons?
1: Because it's the, because they say it's too hard. Um, and seriously, oh wow! I didn't think real estate would be this hard. And during that time, they're not even showing houses; they're just cold calling, and then we turn them onto warmer leads, and then hot leads. Um, but we know the process works because by the last week, our hope is that the the appointments that they set up are for themselves for when they graduate from boot camp. Or the paid working interview, and and that's what we've seen is people hit the ground running. We had our most recent boot camp graduated in April. We had three, all three graduated, um, because again we're very methodic about who we bring on, how many we bring on at a time, and of those three, two of them um, put two people under contract the first day that they hit the ground running as agents. The other one took a week. Um, so we know it works and they're killing it. They're doing awesome. Um, so we know it works. So that's what we do. So
0: we're we're it's right at an hour um, and we could probably go on for longer but what tell me how people can reach out to you how can they get more information about you what are, what do you recommend
1: so i'd love to give you if you want a free download of the whole process um, and i don't go in, in the in the download it doesn't go a great deal into the the boot camp part but it is um www.diyhiringsolutions with an s Um, Again, DIYHiringSolutions.com. That's a free download if you'd like to know um, the Daniels hiring method and how we hire. Um, Or you can go to my website, um, www.DIYHiring.com. I have a a course coming out on on how to hire. I can consult with you and teach you how to hire and teach your company how to hire the process, or I can do it for you. But um, yeah, I'd love to help you out any way that I I can because um, you're my people. So. Cool.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on. This has been absolutely amazing. And um, God, if for you know, for anybody watching this that is you know uh, a small business owner and an aspiring to be a CEO and have a business that can you know largely operate without them being in the business, um, I, Janae, I think you would agree. 80, like I said earlier, eighty percent of your success is predicated on the recruiting and selection process. So. Um, you guys should definitely check out Janae. And um, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to our uh, podcast, CEO Secrets. And I'll have the information about Janae posted below if you're watching this on the replay, uh, so you guys can check her out online and uh, follow up with her for that free content. Um, Janae, thank you again so much. It's been absolutely amazing.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and um, and and for all you guys listening to the podcast, um, you know whether you're on audio or video. Um, you guys should know if you if you guys are listening to the podcast or watching us live, um, we're giving away a copy of our book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team, for free. All you've got to do is pay shipping handling. It's a 220 page book. Like spend a year writing it. You guys can read the views online. It's 20 bucks on Amazon. Don't spend the 20 bucks on Amazon. I'll send you a copy of it free. Um, so, anyways, um, again, Janae, thanks so much, guys. Everybody have a, a great week, and thanks for chiming in.
1: Thanks, Chris.
0: Bye, everybody.